Turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Hebrews chapter 12. Last week our brother Anton spoke on dealing with loss and one of the key issues Lord willing we're going to be looking at today from another perspective. But today I want to encourage you in another area. He talked about loss and the way we are to approach it. But another critical issue that we are finding ourselves dealing with in the church and in our own personal lives is the idea of persecution. And so we're suffering with the circumstances we find ourselves in, with all the issues that are going on in the world. But there are Christians who are dealing with persecution. There are persons and places in various countries where decisions have been made, where Christians have to deal with that. I told a brother in WhatsApp the other day that no longer is it over there, but these issues are now knocking on our very front door. We as Christians have to and are dealing with it. Some of us may even be dealing with it right now. Right now in our own families, in our own marriages. Some may be dealing with it in our jobs. Some may be dealing with it in our churches. Some may be dealing with it with friends and various institutions and organizations we are involved in. Sporting teams. Politics. Persecution. We're reminded by the Apostle Paul in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12, Indeed, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. So guess what? If you're a believer and you intend on standing for Christ, it's coming. This should be no surprise. One thing we're reminded of in the book of Hebrews, again, in the book that we're looking at, revenge is not an option. Sometimes we can choose to take action ourselves and deal with those individuals. Scripture reminds us, vengeance is mine. I will repay, saith the Lord. And so as you meet up with these challenges, as you meet up with these difficulties in, in life in general, and specifically in the circumstances that you are in, we are called upon in the passage we're going to look at this morning to run our race. Run the race of faith that is laid before us. Dealing with the oppositions and the difficulties we are going to face, but we're to run that race and run it well. And we have an example. And that is what we're going to be looking at this morning. We're looking at the passage in Hebrews 12, 1 through 3, and it reads, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us run with patience or endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who, for the joy that was set before him, endured, again, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is now sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him 
but endured such contradiction of sinners, lest you become weary and weep, faint, or lose heart. Let's run our race. And each of us, in our own way, has our own race to run. It is a race of faith. The book we're going to look at briefly in this text is the book of Hebrews, and its author is unknown, but it's considered to be one of the most doctrinal books on par with Romans. It is considered to be a book that was written to Jewish Christians, most likely a part of a house church or a group of house churches, and the Old Testament references probably encourage that. These were persons who were probably Hebrew or Jewish Christians. The author wrote to encourage them to endure, to persevere, to continue. He reminded them of the supremacy of Christ and his sacrifice compared to religion and Judaism. He reminded them of Jesus Christ and his, his excellency above all of the old practice, all the Jewish laws. When we deal with individuals and circumstances right now, when we meet up at opposition, we have to understand whose we are and who we serve. Our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. He is more excellent than these circumstances, these standards, these op this opposition we're facing. And he reminded them of the supremacy of Christ. They were becoming discouraged. And that could happen to us. When we meet up at opposition and challenges, sometimes we can become discouraged. And he was encouraging them. One of the things I found interesting, again, is he's encouraging them not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together. And so much the more as we see the day approaching. We need this encouragement. Brothers and sisters, when, when the difficulties and challenges of life happen, we need one another. We need to come together. We need to encourage one another to continue on in the faith. There were Jews who had left the Jewish system. They turned to Christ and they were suffering for it. There are individuals who are facing opposition because of the choices they've made. Some have been involved in lifestyles. Some have been engaged in certain actions. And they decided to come out of it. And they decided to now walk with Christ. And there are persons who are opposing them. There are people you used to run with before. But now that you've chosen to be a Christian, they talk about you. They challenge you. They, they, they speak out against you. But you have to be encouraged. You have to encourage yourself. These individuals, it says in Hebrews 10, 32, they were told, but remember the former days when after being enlightened, you endured great conflict of sufferings, partly by being made a public spectacle through reproaches and tribulations, and partly by becoming sharers with those who were so treated. For you showed sympathy to the prisoners and accepted joyfully the seizure of property, knowing that you have for yourselves a better possession and a lasting one. But through and through the book, in spite of the persecution and suffering, the author is encouraging them in their faith and their decision to choose Christ. And he starts off in chapter 10 and goes into chapter 11 talking about faith. Those who are a part of the, the halls of faith, who have run well. And he said, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. He says to them that faith is so important. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. As you run this race, 
You must run the race in faith. You're going to be challenged. You're going to be met with opposition. But you've got to run. And you've got to run your race well, race well and run in faith. We have these cloud of witnesses as we look into our text now in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore. Verse chapter 11 was what the therefore was all about. These individuals, these persons who had set the example. Therefore, for this reason, we have this great cloud, this great host of witnesses. Persons who testify, persons who have left an example of living by faith, an example and witnesses to the faithfulness of God in the midst of tribulation. Brothers and sisters, God is faithful. He continues to be faithful no matter what the circumstance you find yourself in, no matter what the difficulty, no matter what the opposition, no matter what the persecution, our God is faithful. And there are persons who can testify to that. Amen? Amen. These witnesses are all around us. They are all around us cheering us on. No. Setting an example for us to look at, for us to see. Yes, some can consider them as persons who are surrounding us in a stadium and saying, go, go. But more importantly, they are persons who have set an example, set a pace. Some persons we can look at and see, yes, they made it. In spite of not receiving the reward that, that, that they still ran and they ran well. It says, since we have these witnesses, these examples surrounding us, since we have them, let us lay aside every weight, every encumbrance, and the sin which doth so easily beset us. Let us lay it aside. Let us take it off. Let us rid ourselves of it. We're running a race of faith, and we need to run it and run it well. And some of us are engaged in things, though not bad, are not going to allow us to run our race well. You know, You know we need to get in God's word. We know we need to spend time in God's presence in prayer. We know we need to come together and fellowship with the saints. We know the things that we need to encourage ourselves in the Lord, to strengthen us our, ourselves in the Lord, to build us up to maturity. But we're allowing things to distract us, to prevent us from preparing ourselves, to prevent us from giving us the ability to run well. And it's sometimes simple things, you know. For those of us that may be television, maybe sports, maybe some activity that we're involved in, but it's preventing you from running, running well. The text says we have to lay it aside, lay aside that weight, like an athlete takes off the weights when he's prepared to run. You can't run well with weights. We know that. But yet we try to run our Christian race distracted, weighed down, and burdened. Drop those weights. Lay aside the sin which so easily entangles us. The KJV calls it the besetting sin, a sin that easily ensnares it. It can speak to sin for all, 
or it can speak to one type of sin. For some of us, it may be generally the sin of disbelief. When the difficulties and the challenges come, we tend to say, is God able? Can God do it for me? Can he, can he take me through? Can I, can I, do I have the strength to endure? Or it may be a specific sin that trips you up. And you know what it is. You know the thing that you indulge in that nobody else knows about. You know the thing that you get involved in that nobody sees but God. The thing that when you're supposed to be doing what you should, you're engaged in something that you shouldn't. It's a sin, your specific sin, that easily trips you up. And if you want to run this race of faith well, your race, you have to deal with it. Lay aside the weight and the sin that easily entangles us and let us run, let us rush on, let us advance, let us exert ourselves, let us make progress to make an effort spiritually, intellectually. We have to run the race with endurance that is set before us. The key in this passage is endurance. We have to endure. The race is tough. The circumstances are difficult, but we have to run with endurance, run with patience, run with fortitude, run with resolution. It is the power to withstand the hardships and the stress. Yes, they're coming, but we have to run and run with endurance that race that is set before us, the specific course that is present before you, your race, your race of faith. What is the race that is before you to run right now? I wanted to use an example for me. My race right now, the race of being a husband, the race of being a father, the race of being a leader in the church. How am I running my race? As I deal with the obstacles and the challenges, the conflicts and the difficulties that I face in the race that I have to run, am I running well? Am I running to the honor and glory of God in my marriage? Am I loving my wife as Christ loves the church? Am I training up my children in the way they should go? Am I being the best leader, elder in this church? Am I running my race well in spite of the obstacles, in spite of the challenges, in spite of the opposition, in spite of the difficulties? Am I running it to the honor and the glory of God? How are we running our race? Calvary, as a church, how are we running our race? Running it with patience, with fortitude, to deal with the hardships and the stress. It's a specific race that is set before us. James 1, 3 through 4 says, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance and let endurance have its perfect result so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. The struggles and the difficulties that we face in the races we run have a purpose, to build us up. It is actually the difficulties that help to give us the endurance, give us the strength to persevere, to press on, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance and let endurance have its perfect 
result. Let the struggles and the difficulties work in you. Have let's run a race. And, and, and though it is a race, we need to understand as well, it is not a competition against other believers. As a church, it's not a race to be running against other churches. We're not trying to be better than the guy next to us. You have your specific race to run. Understand as we look further in the text, the race we're running is we're running to God's honor and glory. And so we need to keep our eyes fixed on him, not on the person next to us. Fixing our eyes, as the text continues, we are to run fixing our eyes on Jesus, directing to direct one's attention without distraction or having your attention diverted. What are you looking at as you run this race? Are you looking at yourself? Ooh, I look good as I run this race. Are you looking at other people? Boy, he looks better than me. I wish I could be like him. No, 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 no. You need to be like you. Abraham could only be Abraham. Sarah could only be Sarah. Jacob could only be Jacob. Thaddeus could be Thaddeus. Anthon, Anthon could be Anthon. Monty could be Monty. Each of you has your own individual race to run. And you need to fix your eyes on Jesus, paying attention to him. Looking unto Jesus, the author, the originator, the founder, the creator, and the trailblazer of our faith. He ran it. And he ran it well. He, he set the ultimate example for us. Yes, we may look at other individuals around. And they may, we may receive encouragement from them. But we are to keep our eyes, the text says, fixed on Jesus. You want a perfect example of how to run the race? Keep your eyes on him. You can be encouraged by those other examples. But you'd only try to duplicate one. Jesus Christ. That's the one we want to duplicate. That's the one you want to be like. When, I, when we fix our eyes on Jesus in the circumstances of the race that we run, we see things through the lens of him. And as we look through Jesus, he helps us to make the right decisions in those circumstances, in those difficulties. As the odd originator and the perfected, the completer, the finisher, the one without blemish or defect. He ran this race, he ran it well, and he ran it, no stumbling. Set an example. Hebrews 4.15 says, We do not have an high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things as we are, yet without sin. He ran the race. Didn't slip up, didn't trip, didn't fall. Those individuals we look at in Hebrews 11, we know about them. They tripped. David tripped. Abraham, Sarah, when they ran, they tripped. Had God said, why don't you go and deal with my handmaiden? They, why? No. But we have an example. Jesus Christ. That's the one we're to keep our eyes fixed on. Not the persons around, the one we run 
is Jesus Christ. We run based on him. Jesus Christ, our great high priest, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is now set down at the right hand of the Father, the throne of God. Could it be the joy of completing the work of his father or could it be the joy of the glorious day when he is united and exalted with all believers, bringing salvation to all those who love, he loved. He endured the cross, he faced and he withstood with courage the nails that pierced his hand. He despised the shame. He didn't consider it important enough to be an object of concern when evaluated against something else. When Jesus Christ saw the shame, but when he saw the joy of believers with him in glory, he considered the shame and the suffering as nothing to be considered. He says in Philippians 2.5, Have this attitude in yourself, which was also in Christ Jesus who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself. He took on the form of a bond servant and being made in the likeness of man, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death on the cross. He looked at us and he said, the joy of us in glory was greater than the suffering that he went through. When we deal with our struggles and difficulties, we have to consider the what and the why. The struggles and the difficulties we're going through we have to consider the joy that is set before us. Practically speaking, in the various circumstances you find yourself in, it's going to be difficult. In that marriage, where you may be living with an unsaved spouse, dealing with the verbal abuse, the difficulties and the challenges you face, you have to consider the joy. If Jesus Christ leads that loved one to a saving knowledge of him, what joy. The wife who was able to say, by my chaste conversation and in my manner of lifestyle, that person was drawn to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. That parent who continues and continues and continues with that wayward child, and considers the joy of that child one day coming like the prodigal son and saying, Father, take me on, forgive me. Consider the joy of standing on that job and dealing with that boss over and over again and dealing with the challenges and difficulties and the issues. And yet one day he comes to you and says, because of the struggle, because of what I saw you go through and dealing with me, do me a favor, tell me about this. Jesus, oh my goodness, imagine the joy, the joy of leading your boss, your co-worker to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ because of the sacrifice. You kept your eyes on Jesus.
And you ran your race. You dealt with the struggles and the difficulties. And yes, now you get to see the joy. Oh, believers. Consider him. Consider him who endured such contradiction of sinners. Lest you become weary and faint in your minds. So that you will not become weary and lose heart. As you run this race, consider Jesus. To consider means to reason with careful deliberation, to think carefully. And this is a command. We are commanded, consider him. Look at him. Think about what he went through. Jesus Christ, who endured such hostility, he faith, faced and he withstood it with courage. 1 Peter 2, 21-24 says, For you have been called for this purpose, since Christ also suffered for you. He left an example for you to follow in his steps, who committed no sin, nor was any deceit found in his mouth, and while being reviled, he did not revile in return. While suffering, he uttered no threats, but kept entrusting himself to him who judges righteously. And he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross. Why? So that we might die to sin and live righteously. By his wounds, ye are healed. Paul reminds us in 2 Timothy 1, 10 through 12, but now has been revealed by the appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, for which I am appointed a preacher and an apostle and a teacher. For this reason, I also suffer these things, but I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and I'm convinced that he is able to guard what I have committed to him until that day. Believers, consider Jesus. As we deal with opposition and difficulties in our life, consider Jesus. Consider him who endured such contradiction of sinners. Being reviled, he did not revile in return. While suffering, he uttered no threats. Brothers and sisters, this is hard. I'm a speaker. My friends who know me know I'm a man who can run off of the mouth. This text has to challenge me. Listen, though you may be reviled, you don't revile back. Though you may suffer threats, he uttered no threats back. You don't return due for what is done to you. Do unto others what was done to you. Is that our motto? Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Imagine when you were a sinner and when you spoke out against Jesus. Imagine if the person who shared Christ with you treated you like that and did not show compassion and did not show love and did not show Jesus. Follow our, the example of Jesus 
And we do it so we won't grow weary. We won't get fatigued. Become emotionally and mentally and physically drained. And, be, and brothers and sisters, it can be taxing. When I looked at the different situations, I said, Craig, consider it. Being on a job that you do not like, being on a job where people are constantly downing you as a Christian, being on a job where people are constantly making jokes of, of Christians, being on a job where people are talking and living and doing things that are contrary to God, being in a relationship, being in a situation, being on a team, being in a, in a political arena where persons are constantly speaking out and challenging God. It is difficult. It is hard. It can get frustrating. It can get tiring. You can get weary. You can get frustrated. Consider Jesus. If you leave with anything this morning, when it comes to endurance, consider Jesus. Keep your eyes on him. If you want to run the race of life well, keep your eyes on Jesus. For consider him so that you will not grow weary and lose heart, become exhausted. Again, I remind you, it is your race to run. Don't run somebody else's race. That's another thing that I, I sometimes get involved. My wife always reminds me, honey, don't get distracted. You have a race to run. Your race, your family, your church, your job, your situation, your country, your neighborhood. This is your race to run. Don't get distracted. Focus on what God has placed you into here and now. Run that race well and keep your eyes on Jesus. And we know the Christian life could be hard. He says in Hebrews 13, 20 and 21, now the peace of God who brought us from the dead and the great shepherd, the sheep through the blood of the eternal covenant, even Jesus our Lord, equip you in every good thing to do his work, his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Can you run it? Yes, you can. Through Jesus Christ. Can you run it well? Yes, you can. Through Jesus Christ. Brothers and sisters, we have this cloud of witnesses before us who have already demonstrated that the race can be run. And yes, you may not see the prize here and now, but we know eternally where we're going to end up in glory. And yet as we face the challenges and the issues today in the races that we run, in the circumstances that we find ourselves in, in the opposition we're going to face, we have to run our race and run it well. We need to keep our eyes on Jesus. Don't get distracted. Yeah, but what's going on in the corner over there? Don't, don't, don't get distracted. But what about him? Don't, don't get distracted. Yeah, but it's getting tiring. No, no, keep, keep your eyes. Keep your eyes. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Oh, Jesus, you did it. You ran the race. You ran it well. Thank you. I can run it well too. Brothers and sisters, 
for what was said before him, that joy, he endured the cross, despising the shame. He is now sat down in the place of glory. He has completed his race. Let's complete ours. Let us run and run well. Our life, our race of faith, to the honor and to the glory of God. In Jesus' name, amen.